And we are back here at the Gods Will Not Save You, The Wire Revisited. Welcome, everybody. I'm Willie. Hi, my name's Jakob, and this is a podcast where the co-hosts do a deep read of each episode of the hit HBO show, The Wire. Still a hit, right? Even though it's season five. Yeah. Uh, So I know we took a little hiatus in between the seasons, but as always, anchor.fm slash the gods will not save you slash support. If you want to throw us a little money, it's always really appreciated. But uh, let's hit the ground running with uh, season five, uh, the most controversial season of the series' run. And with the season five uh, premiere episode, More With Less. Yep. And, well, yeah, I I wanted to ask his question on our recording as opposed to just continually, uh, you know, telling you how I got to wrap things up today or this evening and but then continue to just talk, 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 talk <laughs> before we actually can get a chance to record. I'm, I'm, I was asking, like, wait. Is season five like as bad as everyone said it was? Because this episode is pretty, yeah. pretty damn good. But I am, like I said, a little short-sighted. You're way yeah. better at playing the long game. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, how does, you know, how I did mean, we get to that, you know, critique of this season? I, I guess mean, this is a fantastic episode. Um, I do think, you know, obviously this is uh, the most controversial season out of all of them. Um, there's some pretty, uh, outlandish plot twists. Maybe some of them don't land as well as, uh, they were hoping to. Perhaps it could have benefited from, you know, the 12 or 13 episode arc that they were, you know, usually accustomed to instead of like the, the truncated 10 episode arc. Um, but in my opinion, it's still better than anything else on television, really. <laughs> um, I mean, even George Pelicano said that uh, he kind of took a step back from season five and he felt like this was maybe one of the weaker seasons. Um, that That's him. That's the reason, then. Well, Ed, and Ed Burns was, I guess, also yeah. preoccupied with Generation Kill and he wasn't uh. working on this as much, so... You know, maybe it could have uh, benefited from some more arguments in the writer's room. But um, (laughs) if you will indulge me for a second, I'd like to just like read a quote from the original Baltimore Sun review of this uh, season. Okay. Um, Yeah. So the headline by David Zurawick, David Zurawick, I think that's how you pronounce it. Zurawick? Z-U-R-A-W-I-K. Oh, yeah. Sorry. But but the headline is, The Wire Loses Spark in Newsroom Storyline. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty scathing in its cri- criticism. Um, and I just want to give you a little taste. Uh, the docudrama genre, which has come under increasing fire in recent years, combines the look of documentary film with the literary license of theater giving viewers the sense that what they are watching is true, even though facts have been rearranged and actions invented. Beyond blurring fact and fiction and ignoring any sense of proportionality, the genre also telescopes and confuses time. Simon left the sun in 1995, and his newsroom villains are patterned on editors and a reporter long gone from Baltimore. But Simon presents his story as if it is taking place at the sun today. 
Ultimately, the most disappointing aspect of season five is that Simon offers such a simplistic critique of media and their effects on mass consciousness. To say that even the most respected newspapers sometimes have ethical lapses will hardly be news to any HBO viewers who have heard of Jason Blair and the New York Times. Newspapers have changed exponentially since Simon left 12 years ago. When he was in the newsroom, cable TV was still considered new media, and most newspapers were at least five years away from the realization that they would soon live or die by the internet. Yeah, so... Thanks for sharing all that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, my reading was a little fragmented, but just... (laughs) Even even sitting on the weeks. Just a little, you know, interesting perspective that perhaps uh, Simon had maybe too much of a chip on his shoulder and was rehashing, you know, old arguments he was having from, you know, 13 years prior at that point. But, you know, still, still... Still my favorite show ever. Yeah, so Ed Burns, Pelicanos, they all took a step back. So in reality, it's like, you know, what what actually happened? Did he say, like, hey, you know, I need this, I need it. Like, he's McNulty on the case, like, against Marlowe, you know? Yeah, or he's uh, Gus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's... (laughs) I feel like he... That is a... that's his avatar this season for sure. Like uh, we've theorized that maybe McNulty is a little bit of Ed Burns or Presbelewski in the classroom. This but, is him. Uh, maybe. Who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so great stuff. Uh, you pretty much, yeah, laid that good stuff out. <laughs> no. Uh Normally, we also like to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I mean, you kind of talked about a lot of the themes, but they do run a bit, uh, like their counterpoints to, you know, David Simon, like, yeah, you know, people say we didn't uh, hash out the whole, like, internet um, storyline and the impact on the news. And he's like, we did, you know, in this episode, we talked about how, you know, it's like, Blah, 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 blah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's always, <laughs> for any like criticism that people have of uh, David Simon's storytelling, he always has like a really verbose rebuttal that I feel like kind of bodies the opposition. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what he had to say to David. No. <laughs> uh, didn't he just retire? Yeah. I think we talked about that. Anyway, so more with less. I mean, yeah. what do you want to talk about first here? The cops dealing with that or, uh, you know. This uh, opening interrogation scene with Bunk and, uh, <laughs> Dish- no, not Deshaun Fredericks. No, that's someone who got shot, yeah. apparently. But uh, Bunk is uh, working behind the scenes with, Ed Norris, Crutchfield, and Jay Landsman to do this uh, faulty lie detector test with the copy machine. Um, Going with the tradition of the season openers, kind of like laying out the theme at large for, you know, what they're trying to convey in the storyline for the respective season. And, you know... You know, uh, the truth is not always what it seems. Uh, The bigger the lie, the more they believe. That's, uh, you know, taken from the opening quote, you know, 
blah 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 they they did a phony copy machine test so shady ed norris (laughs) (laughs) but uh, how long have we been locking up uh these kids with you know telling them lies not letting them seek counsel oh years you know (laughs) works every time and that line like oh sorry what were you gonna say I was just going to start yelling random, like, big, the big lie. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) but, uh, uh, I was reading some comments on the internet, and they were... (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there was some theorizing that this this little exchange between Bunk and Ed Norris, like, how long have we been doing this? Over 20 years. Like, that could also maybe uh, be, like, a subtle reference to, like, uh, this story with the copy machine originally being referenced in homicide the book which was like close to 16 years ago at this point or like you know 15 to 20 years ago at this point and it was also used in the show that uh they're always kind of like yeah (laughs) and uh you know david simon has always been kind of good at like depicting uh the moral gray area and stuff like that I mean, yeah, we don't need internet comments to know this stuff. I mean, (laughs) it's from Detroit too, right? I think that's what he, like, people got in trouble in Detroit in, like, the early 80s for doing something like this. Yeah. (laughs) But I can't remember. I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, like, commonplace. Yeah. Slumlord. (laughs) It's funny, like, when when I first watched this, this was, again, like, one of the scenes where I was like, okay, this is... A little too fanciful. They're taking liberties with like the whole reality of it, but uh, you know, yeah. lo and behold, like this is like actually a tactic that they used and was referenced in the book. It's in the book, uh, <laughs> and yeah, like like it's not that creative. At the end of the day, the show it's all probably happened, good yeah. or bad, mostly bad. Yeah. Um. Some other. Uh, things that are or other themes that are kind of uh, touched upon in this episode uh, cheating <laughs> you're gonna read <laughs> I mean that's just something I just had to I was listening to the uh, talk David Simon did at, like pretty soon after this show was you know was completed and I think it was at USC eh, whatever Oh, it's about the journalism, like yeah, and it was just kind of like, like an overview of this season, the show. So that's where he talked about, you know, it's like kind of uh, feedback from the audience, or they were asking questions, and he was just being like David Simon, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you 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 think you know what this season's about, huh? Yeah, like, he was like cheating. Yeah, uh, people are making things up. He's like, okay, well, you know, some like. Smart journalists I knew like got back to her like, oh, ha ha ha, it's what's not said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the storylines we've been following throughout these past four or five seasons yeah. don't even make the headlines in, you know, what is supposed to be the arbiter of truth in the city. Exactly. Yeah. And then he also quoted like Thomas Jefferson and now I've canceled him. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he was just saying like, oh, you know, Jefferson said you'd rather have like a country with, you know, uh, no government and newspapers than the latter, so or like than the opposite. Right. Canceled. 
yeah, so they're doing hella surveillance, like, yeah. but no one's getting money, no one's getting paid. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I mean, let's see. Anything, you know, you want to talk about on that? Well, it's just, I think it's quite funny that, <laughs> <laughs> that we had been, like, talking earlier on in this uh, project about, like, how we feel, like, it may be like a bit of a stretch that <laughs> when the cops are doing their surveilling of the criminals doing their deeds, uh, yeah. it's like, how are they not like being caught <laughs> taking pictures and looking through binoculars? And uh, with this episode, Marlo is kind of like hip to that game. And like, he's like, uh, Marlo and Chris are pretty aware that they're being watched at all times. So they're extra careful. And I thought it was interesting that in the commentary, uh, Joe Chappelle, the director of this episode, was talking about like how this was one of the few times they didn't have to like cheat with the location that like, oh, you know, the criminals might be doing their thing over here. But when the cops are taking their pictures and surveilling, we had to like cheat it with another location. But everything was pretty like spatially uh in within the same realm for this shoot so mm, i want to talk to joe about that cheating <laughs> and locations now yeah go ahead go off man <laughs> no it's just funny because they uh you know they're doing their like little game following the kid on the bike and yeah. you know he's northbound on fulton which is you know a street that's used all the time like the playground supposedly there where randy you know uh led little kevin and then blah 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 blah, blah. so it's like oh, you know, we're still in the West Side, but then obviously you see, like, Federal or Oliver and these main thoroughfares on the East Side where they're still filming because yeah. it's easier. You know, hey, more power to them, but, you know, like, the bigger the lie, right? It's like, <laughs> Geo fake trout. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not believing this big lie. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's good, though. No, but, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um that's interesting. And Marlo's smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, is this also kind of like a meta commentary <laughs> on like the whole uh, thing with the, you know, the people having to suspend their disbelief that McNulty wouldn't get caught taking pictures that Marlo is just like really aware of it. Like, oh, this is just like course correcting for some earlier inaccuracies. <laughs> Maybe. No, no, no. Um, yeah. So what's up with all the like talk about pay and like the cops have it so bad? Yeah. Um, I mean, are, yeah, you, this are is... you doing that for yourself? <laughs> I can read, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Willie's highlighting everything on the monitor we're utilizing because his laptop, supposedly the screen wasn't working, but I think it was just a ploy to get home field advantage because now he needs to hook it into his large like TV monitor or, yeah. you know, his his flat screen nah. that's you know it's nice but not that nice don't, <laughs> if you know where he lives don't come and steal it uh, but, but yeah this it's is helpful uh, it's helpful yeah i mean the whole thing with the the police department being underfunded yeah. is pretty fraught topic considering the current zeitgeist with uh, a lot of countercultural movements concerning oh, yeah. uh police reform why they lost in virginia the squad defund oh my god <laughs> nah. okay jake tapper <laughs> yeah this is all that rhetoric 
No. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're you were saying that you feel like it's uh, hard to feel bad for the police. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Bobby Brown seems like a, you know, whatever, like he'll kick your ass, but he's like a stand up dude. He's not taking shit anymore, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, just hook him up with some crab cakes and a case of Heineken and you can keep him happy, but for only so long. <laughs> like this stupid, like, you know, I mean, you know, in the context of, okay, these guys are like, you know, they're showing up to their job, even though they're cops and they're not getting paid. That's like a, government shutdown like instead of you know like the context isn't what yeah. like people are talking about nowadays obviously because that's like whole more nuanced uh, yeah. topic of defunding the cops but i'm just saying like it's ironic because you literally have headlines although this was recently and the wire's not real life yeah. you know this is supposedly was it in the 90s uh <laughs> like with simon's gripes like you uh <laughs> You know, talked about like, you know, what time frame are we in? That's always the question. Like, yeah. you know, this is the mid 2000s, but literally just last earlier this year, <laughs> Baltimore officers have a practice of picking up overtime shifts while on paid vacation to make double the money, according to a report Wednesday from the city's inspector general. So, yeah. you know, this is like, eh, it probably evens out, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's I don't a know. lot of like, uh, you know, oh, have I been doing uh, overtime? Like, you know, yeah, you're up, you're down. I guess more consistency would help yeah. even out some of the problems in the city. But I don't know. It's just, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this episode is laying out like a pretty brilliant uh, argument for like cause and effect with Tommy's like wounded sense of pride that he wouldn't take the bailout from the governor to take care of the schools. The last problem now he has to like kind of juggle both of these problems. And it is like, uh, hard not to, uh, it's hard to dispute, you know, when you see the patrol car with like the broken rear view mirror and the messed up bumper <laughs> and the major yeah. crimes unit being disbanded and, you know, not being able to go after mass murderers and shit like that. So I don't know. I'm very pro. Like, I don't want people to think I'm a bootlicker or anything. Yeah. Like, I'm not. <laughs> you got a refund, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. There's a, there's, <laughs> Somebody in my neighborhood literally has a sign on their lawn that says, refund the police. Thank you for putting your life on the line or something like that. So. Yeah. I've seen the, like, I drove past the pre local precinct and saw the, like, hoopties that, that they're patrolling the sh your city streets in. It's rough. Wow. But, hey, Governor Hogan uh, is, like, on a mission to refund the police currently in Maryland, so... Yeah, so they can get more overtime for paid vacation or whatever. Yeah, so so Wayne Jenkins can clock overtime from penitentiary while he has jail food. <laughs> or maybe uh, Barlow could... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to put up drywall. <laughs> what? He's been doing this in season one. I know. He's been doing all that freelance contracting work. Yeah, we got to put a cap 10 hours on the moonlighting. So, you know, it's like they're not going to have any like energy for real police work. It's like, what? Barlow's been grinding out there with pressure treated <laughs> way over 10 hours a week. He needs a price for pressure treated. Um, so you just want to talk about sh City Hall, a.k.a. Shitty Hall? 
Nice. Yeah. Well, before we move on to that, like, can I oh, just, yeah. the whole thing with Officer Bobby Brown, like, he was the one of the like main foils to like the drug addicts in the corner. Yeah, he's like, Rawr. but he was okay. But he, it's like another one of those, you know, Jay Landsman, Delaney oh, Williams, yeah. Dennis Mello things because the actor Bobby Brown plays Bobby Brown in The Wire. But yeah. Bobby Brown is also in the corner, but he plays a different character. And he plays Officer Ira Wiener, and an actor named Brian O'Neill plays Bobby Brown. So, like, what the fuck is up with this? Uh, <laughs> what is up with all this, like, yeah. musical named switcheroo type charades? I don't know. He wasn't good enough back then to be himself until he found his, like, true, like, they're just like, dude, get drunk this season. Why? <laughs> like, just be you, man. Yeah, I don't Have know. Have a fist fight. <laughs> and that fist fight, whoo, man. Is it? Is that oh. like uh, an inspiration for a true detective's fist fight? Between, well, I don't uh, know. They seemed way more capable of handling them. The fist fight in this yeah. scene looked like it was pretty uh, messy. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean. Pretty like, like choreographed. Yeah, I just think it's like these are at like a-list actors and then bobby brown's like way too hood to be like going through all this blocking he's just like man like let me fight her like whatever you know you know what i'm saying man no fuck that man i'm a hood ass white dude man south baltimore he's i'm from Pigtown, man it's so crazy he was in uh, like a legit actor on the corner but they mentioned that he was like an extra starting out in the wire so like he got demoted yeah wait so that's the real that's really bobby that's the cop he's a cop no i don't think i think bobby brown is oh a, bobby brown is his like he's an yeah he, so, so that's not the real bobby brown that's so the just, real the real bobby brown from the corner is a real cop yeah but yeah. then the guy in the show is named bobby brown and he's also <laughs> playing the cop Bobby, Bobby Brown. Brown. Okay, got it. So like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's fucking, that's like crazy. That's like beyond Frank Reed, like fake Reed and fake <laughs> Frank Reed. I know. Uh, the rabbit hole. Okay, so. Holes. Yeah, let's move on to, as you so brilliantly dubbed it, Shitty Hall. <laughs> shitty Boys. Uh, so, uh, leading into, oh, I don't want to spill, spill the beans on your, uh, like passion project beyond the wire. That's why you're like, we got to do like two, two a days, get this season boo boo five done with. So I can get to the real stuff. Carcetti <laughs> is he like, and the arc of his character nah. and compared to maybe another mayor in the <laughs> wire sphere. Simulation. Um, I'm excited though. <laughs> But yeah, Burrell and Rawls basically uh, kick things up the chain of command to the mayor and say, you know, things are real bad in the department. And one thing we can do is uh, disband this major crimes unit because we're not making any headway on these 22 murder investigations. 
and one thieving politician trumps 22 dead bodies. Good to know. Oh, shit. Lance will make him dance. You can't do that. Yeah, so, you know, pretty uh, clear statement there. Yeah. Like, people matter less and less each day, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's a... If, if you thought that, like, the whole thing with uh, Carcetti refusing to take the Republican governor's money for the school was the last we would see of his wounded pride uh, concerning, like, these partisan issues, then you have another thing coming because a U.S. attorney shows up and says, like, you know, we could, you know, the federal agents can help out with this uh, murder investigation as long as you take Clay Davis, you know, national or federal or whatever that means. I'm still not sure exactly. Like, like, uh, the, you know, hand him over. Yeah. But instead of Bond, like, trying to just make his uh, run for, like, attorney, like, state attorney general of Maryland. Like, state versus local. Yeah. Okay. I mean, fe- state versus federal. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, True blue. (laughs) It's like one of those classic uh, conundrums or whatever where everybody is just equally fucked up because, you know, the U.S. attorney is holding his cards tight. Like, well, we're, you know, we want to uh, put a Democrat on display and, like, you know, show him that he's the real, like, shitty politician. And then Norris is like, well, this is going to, you know affect my chances for mayor because clay davis blah 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 i don't know like everybody is just everybody's got a game to play the only person that's not in the room who has like any sort of conscience regarding this stuff is norm yeah he's finally like hmm yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh don't be a what is it a weak ass mayor of a broke ass city (laughs) wow my toe uh (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's funny how they're like, he's dying. I mean, it's about his own ego, but you know, the irony that it's Clay Davis that he's deciding to draw the line over. Like, <laughs> like I mean, if there's anyone who represents like, uh, you know, a rebuke of the like two part, like any type of party, you know, he's, yeah. just, he's the party of uh, money and Clay Davis. So it's like, no, these Republicans. Yeah. Ah, screw you. <laughs> it's pointless. I don't know. I can't talk. I'm like struggling to talk politics today. No, I or get any time. You know, I get what you're saying though. It's brilliantly laid out. Like, <laughs> you know, greatest show, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Carcetti should have never gotten in bed with Clay Davis in his last minute push. Uh, to get him over the edge to win the mayoral seat because this, you know, a season later is having long-lasting ramifications or bad consequences effects that he's having to juggle all these balls. Can't shake him. Yeah. Juggling. Uh, yeah, so what else, man? Do you want to go? Yeah, let's move on to the newspaper stuff, and then we could finish with Marlo, you think? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Papers, aka the Dooms Room. <laughs> nice man, you're really good with these puns today. Um, well, technically, it was actually several days ago, which it was nice to finally receive this uh, <laughs> document ahead of time. Damn, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, this is a uh, you know. It's a new season, so we get a whole new cast of characters, uh, and this is when we are introduced to the colorful cast of characters at the Baltimore Sun. Who are uh, Gus and... uh, (laughs) Bill uh, Zorzi. Yeah. Well, Uh, that was was him there again, or no? Yeah, yeah, Bill Zorzi. Damn. Uh, an actor named Spry, I think. Who Spry? All right. <laughs> uh, there's uh, some shady editors. Uh, managing editor Thomas Klebenow. 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 Played by David Costabile. Yeah. You might recognize from Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, he's the, like the other. He's chemist. in two of the greatest shows ever. Yeah, how, exactly. How, uh, how rare is that? I know, right? There's uh, executive editor James C. Whiting III, played by Sam Freed. Uh, I think those two characters were probably based on uh, composites of uh, David Simon's enemies in the newsroom, yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, you want to talk a little bit about uh, how they kickstart this whole narrative? How are you going to choose 23-year-old, model-thin, long-hair-having journalists, editors, when you got someone named Spry right there. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, look at us grizzled reporters here. We know this city. We've been to the, you know, whatever, the uh, (laughs) Spry. Rewrite, man. <laughs> Jay Spry. No. Played by Donald Neal. Yeah, we've been to the dive bars. We we know what's going on. We don't just stand around when there's a fire, yeah. you know, which is like a metaphor for uh, journalism and the yeah. newsroom being, yeah. you know, a disaster. It's on fire. So, yeah, you know, it's like kind of not complicate, complicated. Well, for me a little bit, you know, the buyouts and the layoffs and David Simon kind of, uh, you know, very succinctly mm, kind of explained this in that talk that I referred to kind of my only, uh, (laughs) preparation. (laughs) Like I, I haven't even picked up anything, but, uh, you know, it kind of just trickles like the, whatever just rolls downhill with, uh, the larger, you know, publishers eating out the, uh, the smaller ones, like, the right. Sun does that to the county papers, and then the L.A. Times buys the Sun, and then the most evil of all, the Chicago Tribune, <laughs> comes by. So, yeah, just one deep state rag after another, and they have to get rid of their transpo reporter. <laughs> yeah, no more transpo, and they can't do stories on a desegregation at the University of Maryland because, yeah. Executive editor James C. Whiting the Third knows the dean of journalism there, and uh, yeah, even though he's a white guy, he's you know got a great character, and he can attest to the fact that they're doing great things for their black students and faculty. So they're just cutting all kind. They they literally are doing more with less. They're just cutting all kinds of corners to uh, you know 
escape the responsibilities of being a real newspaper. Yeah, and like that's a good point where Simon talked in that. I don't know, I keep talking about this, but he made some great points, obviously, like the usual. Um, I mean, back then, of course, this was like 2000. This is like, you know, 2009, 10. Yeah, like, like pretty soon after some of his Twitter takes, and eh, you know, but he was on one then, like, he was on it. No, <laughs> but he was saying how they cut the uh, like poverty desk. And then now it's like that would actually cover, you know, the poor people of uh, color, the poor black people, brown people in the city. And it's been replaced by a nonprofit desk. So it's like Whiting seems like he'd fit into the, uh, you know, nonprofit. Like, no, no, like white people are doing great things to support people of color, you know? (laughs) So maybe that's an example of that playing out in real in the show yeah but uh that's who else makes a cameo man you're on it oh yeah so in that scene where they find the burning building and gus is like well you know are you guys gonna do anything about it one of uh uh, well the only woman standing in the room uh making any sort of comment about it is uh former baltimore sun journalist and current david simon wife laura Lippman. so this is uh that's great you know she did a good job Laura Littman. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, fuck. If there is any season where di- uh, if there is any season that David Simon is uh fucking over the average viewer, I feel like this is the one because uh, yeah, like all this uh jargon and terminology, the e dot deadline below the fold. Yeah, blah, blah. I can't even remember some of the. Apparently, the E dot deadline is the deadline for inclusion of a story in the second edition of the paper. Great stuff. This uh, <laughs> this season, this show actually kind of inspired me. Like, I joined the uh, <laughs> the school newspaper where I went to college. Like, oh nice. Pretty much the my last. Well, it was also like I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Pretty much still there, but uh. It's like, I got to do something. Like, it's my last few quarters here. And, oh, yeah, The Wire, that was great. I'm going to I'm gonna try out journalism. Like, so yeah. I did it. But, hey, know, man. I couldn't, I couldn't, like, get the, what was it? Like, uh, Richard Price made fun of David Simon. Like, at the end of the day, he's like a junkie. Like, he, like you'll have to, like, hop a fence to, like, report <laughs> on a fire, like a homicide. Like, it's like hitting the pipe or something, you know? Yeah. And now it's like TV's kind of trying to replace that. Like, got to get that rush, you know? Yeah. It's like the deadline, the this and that. But it is, I, I mean, that was like, you know, it's a weak-ass comparison. But, you know, kind of like, I could, feel, I, could, I could feel like you're out there. Also, that was like the year of like some Occupy stuff on like where I went to school. Yeah. And Santa Cruz, you know, it was like pretty intense at times. Um, yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, man. Like, oh, yeah. Now if I could just go like, like walk around the hood here like what's the equivalent of that like maybe i could like get some real stories going like there you go get my police scanner that's great stuff i never did that i I never did that (laughs) but uh yeah i mean george pelicanos mentioned in all the pieces matter that he was like so uh inspired by people coming up to him and telling him like oh yeah man like i joined the peace corps because of the wire like Maybe you're a byproduct, like you joined school newspaper because yeah, like, and then I got to write about stories like that no one read, and like, but 
now they're classic no <laughs> hey man you're the gus or alma of the uc Thank of you. the banana uc santa cruz banana slug journalistic yeah um city on a hill more like city on a pill <laughs> but uh, um speaking of you know the whole thing with like this TV show being more than just a TV show and in, like inspiring people to, you know, do other kinds of things with their life and stuff. We talked a little bit about, you know, Michael K. Williams starting his nonprofit and stuff. So, um, <laughs> and Juan Glover and Wendell Pierce, Sonia San, um, Tom McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Scott Templeton, uh, for some reason, He's like one of the most hated characters in like the entire show's run. Definitely has a very uh, punchable face. Uh, um, there's a quote that I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is from an interview in Vulture uh, with David Simon. Uh, somebody, uh, <laughs> Tom McCarthy said that at one point someone had come up to him on the street and said, you're a bad man. You're a bad man. <laughs> so like the Scott Templeton like effect kind of, uh, followed him everywhere. Um, and he got like a real like taste of what rotten journalism was. He is kind of like based on a composite of different, uh, people from history, including, uh, Jim Hayner, uh, and Jason Blair, uh, who was a New York Times reporter who told a lot of lies about the DC sniper and uh, Jack Kelly from USA Today, who I guess David Simon had worked with at one point and knew that he was lying. So like, I feel like uh, since Tom McCarthy played like such a despicable character who is so universally hated that he felt like he had to atone for that and go on to make an Academy Award-winning film about really good journalism called Spotlight, which was all about the Boston Globe's <laughs> investigation into the sex abuse scandal with a Catholic priest. So, so this is like Tom McCarthy's uh, response to that kind of vitriol. He's like, I'm going to show people that like, I know what, a, what it makes a good journalist. So it's, in it's interesting. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I never would have known that <laughs> now i mean i watched that movie like without ever you know it's just it, i feel like uh i become more and more withdrawn like less and less that i watch is like you know somehow tied to the wire so it's like yeah. it's like to to watch something like a movie standalone like oh this isn't uh anything in that universe or about that subject matter right oh it's just like oh, this is pretty cool i mean yeah i mean that's kind of dumb of me to say because, like, it's about journalism, but I'm just I mean, saying it's, quite, I, I it's quite a bit different. Yeah. The way that, yeah. It's a great movie. I mean, it's, yeah, it's really good. And never would have known that, uh, yeah, I totally spaced out on that. So. No. It's... Great stuff, man. And and also, you taught me a good lesson that you don't just need, like, George Pelicanos to join the Peace Corps. Yeah. Just having a punchable face <laughs> can, can lead to it, too. Uh, <laughs> so, what what else do we want to talk about in this? Uh, journalism storyline i know you have a lot of oh interesting details yeah so they uh first of all so they break a story or gus notices a little tidbit from you know kind of like one of these complex you know uh 
story to press newsroom, you know, bits about uh, the what's his name? The the guy who's like at the city council meeting. Jeff Price. <laughs> Jeff Price is he? That's the reporter. Jeff Price. So he's on a story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, like Gus, like knows as a detail that there was some zoning hearing for Ricardo Hendricks, and he knows exactly who that is. That's Fat Face Rick, and he's a known drug dealer. Kind of also hammering home the point of. You know, these are the type of guys that we're losing in the newsroom, people who know the city. You know, he just, like, picks up this very nuanced detail. Uh, obviously, he's been on the beat well before he probably, you know, made it to being an editor and higher up. So, you know, it's like, this is what's lost, Willie. If you don't have people like Gus around, you're not going to pick up, like, the little fat face Rick uh, <laughs> uh, reference. So that turns into like a pretty crazy uh, pool, right? Yeah, Where they're definitely. doing real journalism and like exposing Norris Campbell for yeah. getting in bed with these shady like drug dealing, you know, developer types. And uh, he's making like a million dollars off of this uh, deal because he has to, you know, get paid out by the city and it's all like kickbacks and crazy yeah. shit. But it's like very, uh, you know, similar to a classic Kenny Bird story. Kenny Bird Jackson, who was like a little Melvin Williams lieutenant, known in the narcotics trade, had like crazy long rap sheet. And we've talked about a lot on this show already, podcast, whatever, um, because of his involvement and kind of being like who string or like aspired to be but never was able to actually like right. manifest into like yeah so he actually uh was deeply entrenched kenny bird in the political uh you know classes and got like you know like he was donating to all the campaigns and stuff <laughs> yeah. you know like lawrence bell and had a like van smith like report a lot on him even though i feel like some of his angles are a little like <laughs> like this is uh baltimore these like piece of trash drug dealers look what they're doing <laughs> it's like snarky whatever but yeah he's like has kwaisi and fume uh like pictures above his like desk in his office but basically the other big parallel like fat face rick's club desperados kenny bird had a real club named el dorado so like very Western related. Yeah. And this happened like in 2000, I guess uh, that was like O'Malley was trying to push him out for a huge development. Right. I guess in one article that we looked at, it said $54 million Bank of America, like retail space, apartment, like, you know, huge development, like the biggest sense inner Harbor type stuff. But then another one says a $48 million. Anyways, it was huge. And then there was all this arguing because Kenny bird saying that, uh, you know, the family saying that it was appraised for like 625 K the property El Dorado, but the city only wanted to pay out 400, um, because that was their appraisal. So apparently, you know, he had originally bought it or the family bought it for 175 K. So not a million dollar uh, profit <laughs> like <laughs> fat face Rick is getting here yeah. or trying to get, but uh, you know, a lot of parallels. So like Clarence Mitchell, the fourth got involved. So that's <laughs> like when you're like Mitchell's getting involved, that's huge. Uh, all the way down, like 
that's so crazy that like yeah. I'm Clarence Mitchell the Force and I've like my dad was like the chief litigator for the NAACP and now I'm like if you're this is what he said in Annapolis we have shown the ability to stop whatever needs to be stopped uh, and like response to uh, no yeah that is Clarence Mitchell that's in response like you know if you don't treat the Jackson family fairly like I'll cut funding to <laughs> to your development O'Malley yeah. and let it be known, Clarence Mitchell IV did not endorse O'Malley. That's so right. he's not fake Reed. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, bishop. <laughs> he's a bishop now. I can't say that. So. Uh, but yeah. And then this is what Sheila Dixon said about the whole thing. We need to have a balance with those businesses that have been there that have sacrificed over the years. So I think that that's also interesting because... Someone said in um, Truth Be Told that Narice Campbell's like a dead ringer for Sheila Dixon, who right. like pretty much you know came on after O'Malley. And then we talked to like at the end of season three, Simon throws like an epic, uh, I don't know, what is that? Like, yeah, it's simulation because, or is it like, he's like, I'm the king of meta or whatever, which I don't fully understand. <laughs> that but he threw out like the develop like the contracting company that was owned by her like boyfriend oh, yeah. was like portrayed at the end of season three in Amsterdam and then that ended up contributing to Sheila Dixon being brought down on corruption charges so it's like yeah. oh Norris is getting screwed over by a uh, fat face Rick's like club and now you know on the other side who she actually like portrays Sheila Dixon got wrapped up with the uh, Kenny bird so it's like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so crazy. So anyways, a whole lot of shady stuff going on there. But I got to do, we got to look more into uh, some of these articles to see what the hell actually happened with the uh, El Dorado. I think it did end up moving or like they tried to up, like create an upscale like jazz cafe angle. Yeah, and they're move. trying to do like a supper club or yeah. something. Because yeah. that was on that was on the west side, El Dorado, but then it moved to like they're like just move to the block, which is like the strip club area. But uh on the east, like in East Baltimore. So but anyways, yeah. Crazy crazy stuff. Always yeah. infinite content from Kenny Bird. Kenny Bird party. Ain't nothing <laughs> like a Kenny Bird party. Hell oh yeah dude that's really interesting stuff thanks for uh bringing those post-its of info yeah yeah i got i got uh i got one left as you can see it's (laughs) as you can see this post it's a lot tinier so yeah (laughs) uh i kind of that was a good stuff also while you were talking about you know all those interesting points you brought up about mccarthy and uh, spotlight i was like oh i wrote down a note yeah. I was I was trying to I was listening doing my best sorry. No, it's all good. I get sidetracked. Uh it's like Oh yeah, I had a sticky note from the first time I watched that if I would have finished listening to that talk he gave at USC, he he mentions another local guy who did that and like he was writing stories about lead. Oh, and his name I think it's Carol maybe and like how you know lead like causes you know the crime rates skyrocket which he was like that's crazy I'm like dude like uh you know I think that's like something definitely like like it's a huge problem in Baltimore uh, and other inner cities so like I want to look more into that too but I couldn't find that note just hella notes about Gen Kill 
to be continued yeah. on that issue. <laughs> Look at seriously, this is from when we it's in my notes. This is our Jen Kilshin. Nice. Oh wait, is it? <laughs> I gotta clean my wallet. Uh, but yeah, we'll look, uh, I think Carol, um, yeah, anyways, it's great. We'll talk about that stuff later. Yeah, man. More to come in this, uh, season. Yeah. It's a great, I'm excited, man. Yeah. Okay. It goes downhill from, like, should I be, I'll be disappointed. No. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) I've watched the show before everyone. It's just, it's hard for me to remember. (laughs) Me too. Um, but yeah, so Norris off the record tries to kind of course correct with Gus and Jeff Price. Um, but then, you know, the next morning she's on her daily commute and finds out that she's front page news material when she buys a Baltimore Sun from none other than our friend Reginald. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Reginald. Reginald Dennis. Bubbles. Dennis, <laughs> not yeah. He's on yeah. his like Dennis right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from Bubbles, um, and he's going through a bit of a transformational experience. He's uh, drying out in his sister's basement. He's been like over a year sober. He's kind of uh, stuck in limbo there. Like David Simon kind of alluded to the fact that like stairs play like a big symbolic role throughout like all this series and like even though bubbles is cleaning his act up he's still like you know uh shunned to the basement (laughs) lifestyle like if you didn't know he was getting sober like he does a great job andre royo with his acting to convey like that you know he's got a lot of uh pent-up trauma with uh, accidentally killing Sherrod and like you know things are a lot different from him but like his living conditions still suggest like that of a junkie but like the fact that he's not able to ascend the stairs to be with his sister and her kid and like be in a normal life uh David Simon was kind of alluding like oh he's you know stuck in between heaven and hell you know it's a thin line between heaven and he. damn <laughs> he's, that's he's stuck in limbo so to speak because his sister is uh you know keeping him away from the kitchen that he'll take to the pawn shop yeah that threshold man but my whole thing is after he leaves out of that side basement door does she then she locks the stairs door right. and before work does she come down and lock the door from the outside with the key because i'm like Okay, but right, right. Who, do you hate your like your basement? Is this that worthless? You know that you could just maybe leave it unlocked or like take whatever you want out of the basement bills. But I'm like, is this like a thing? Because you know, I I don't ever foresee myself having like a basement in my lifetime. It would seem kind of cool to have. So it's like, yeah. come on, like gotta look out for the basement too, right? But I mean, I'm happy Reginald has a place to stay. But at the same time, it's like, oh, like. Oh someone else gonna like break in and then reginald will get blamed because she just went to work on her double shift and now the door's left open it's like yeah i think if uh they would have if if they would have got the 13 episodes they deserved we would have had a scene showing her (laughs) locking the downstairs basement he's like i need 10 hours actually i need 10 and a half because the basement needs like needs to be locked right now uh good stuff but uh here's a news question sorry i know like you know you brilliantly 
you know, uh, went over to Bubbles because he's selling old angry, salty Norris uh, papers. But is this is a dumb question, but Alma, she's like one of the only female reporters. Right. And is she supposed to like represent this young, like uh, cheaper hire for, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of making the case like, ah, hey, you know, like because this is who's pushing out the uh, people who actually know the city. Yeah. Or, I don't know. And you're referencing Alma Gutierrez, played by Michelle Paris, who is married in real life to <laughs> Lawrence Gillier Jr. Larry. <laughs> right? Who played D'Angelo. Um, no, I don't th- I don't know, man. Like, no, I mean, that whole just... evacuation uh, kerfuffle yeah. or debacle, uh, whatever, where she used the wrong word and that, I think... She's pretty sharp and like on it, and uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think she represents. Like, th- they probably wouldn't be talking to her that way if she wasn't in. Like, oh, you're like one of the reporters, the you know? Crew. Like, like get yeah. your ass up! Like, she's one of the boys, you know? It's <laughs> like, it's like we went out to have a drink after, and yeah, you know, Scott's like, I don't want to be like this news. There's no news in this town. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, crazy stuff happens, but it's not making national headlines. Not like Chicago. Yeah. Is it that much better? Like, damn, I didn't know like Chicago. I mean, you've been there. So I better news town? I haven't been to Baltimore, so Yeah. I, I like Chicago. I've met people though, like, ah, you drive around three times, okay. Yeah, but <laughs> how much do we trust the people's opinions about that? I mean, but um, so one thing uh, that's uh, brought up in like one of the staff meetings is about like uh, <laughs> one thing that's uh, brought up in the staff meetings is uh, this thing about uh, Johns Hopkins University oh. and how there's like. <laughs> uh east side biopark uh perhaps yeah. uh maybe kind of uh affecting things in the co-op yeah yeah sphere yeah. i mean did you want to elaborate on a yeah. little bit about like the real life connection that you yeah. found yeah i mean i mean this is like i think i linked the wrong type of article because I, I was i was, I was yeah. able to find it and i did read it so, so that was biopark is that the same thing as biotech because or is oh, biotech shit. a kind of like a subsidiary of the biopark? Because in this article from two thousand one, um, which is about like Hopkins Biotech, which is apparently, um, you know, it's like okay, so here's this is like it's not an op ed, but it's you know it's like more of a community, uh, you know, oriented report on biotech and its impact on the east side, like what we're going to talk about with the co-op and prop Joe. And this is from urban Chronicle in 2001. So by this time though, they had already gotten rid of the poverty desk probably. Right. So this is like more of a fraud, fake trout, like <laughs> nonprofit angle. <laughs> no, nah. but it go, it's like as outlined by city officials and their consultants, Hopkins wouldn't own the park, a still to be created nonprofit development corporation would. There you go. The nonprofit. <laughs> so basically it's like, you know, Hopkins would likely rent space in the park, and the idea behind the park is that its proximity to the medical complex would attract companies interested in capitalizing on Hopkins's research. So, Hopkins, like one of the 
like top or if not the top research university um you know i don't know where they're ranked now but (laughs) check out like at the top of the article i like i shared um this is basically the the lead or is this damn i forgot my journalistic terms here no but uh (laughs) the nut graph (laughs) while johns hopkins struggled this week with the aftershocks of a four-day federal ban on studies involving humans, many neighbors were not sorry that Hopkins got a comeuppance from the feds. This is the talk of the community. It's about time, said Glenn Ross, head of McEldery Park Community Association. Many in the community felt Hopkins was untouchable. Uh, so, yeah, it's like that uh, little uh, snafu with tests involving humans... Uh, <laughs> basically apparently a healthy volunteer died in some medical testing yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> so crazy yeah. and it's like they're like this is good man because like hopkins finally got checked by the feds like yeah. they're out of control this nonprofit <laughs> shit it's like running amok okay like some poor like person maybe like where are they getting these volunteers from? I mean, they are pushing into like pretty depressed uh, areas of Baltimore, right? It's like, I really hope that, you know, I mean, it's sad whoever it was, but it's like, right, yeah. if it were someone like from the county or if it's like, I'm not saying that they would matter less than like, right. oh, like we're kidnapping uh, like kids from the, <laughs> no. yeah. okay, that's a whole different thing. But um, yeah, apparently, I mean, some people like, from the Middle East Community Organization. Remember? Middle East? Oh. It's Fallujah. So, like, oh, yeah. you think yeah. uh, old Slumlord Karketi would give a shit about uh, <laughs> what's happening over there with biotech? No. Whatever. Um, anyways, like, basically, they, they didn't all hate, like, that biotech's, like, you know, coming into the east side. But basically, just to, like, sum it up, um, like, the... Uh, Here's just like another excerpt. Though Hopkins today supports dozens of community programs in East Baltimore for years, it literally walled itself off from its mostly black neighbors, descending from its trademark dome mainly when it needed to acquire property for expansion. So kind of sums up like its relationship. (laughs) So good old legacy of Johns Hopkins. Oh, man. I still got to read like... There's this book called Ghosts of John Johns Hopkins. So it's like one of the essential pieces from, you know, Baltimore by right. Antero Petela. You brought up a lot of interesting stuff before on how there's uh, some kind of, uh, un- you know, underexplored corruption with uh, the, you know, political influence of uh johns hopkins and the city right yeah so. uh you'll have to refresh me but i don't <laughs> I, I mean i just know you've talked about it before oh uh, yeah yeah like taxes yeah like, yeah there they're you yeah you know non-profit baby yeah. <laughs> no. uh i mean they're a private school right so and i all- should i should know more but And also, they're kind of uh, jeopardizing the territory of all these East Side yeah. drug dealers, which is a point of contention at the New Day co-op meeting that uh, Marlowe arrives late to after he uh, 
you know, provides a little decoy for the police by uh, yeah. <laughs> sending an attractive woman to a hotel room after patting her on the butt out, out in front. Um, wow, wow, okay. I didn't <laughs> notice all that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, we kind of got a glimpse of uh, maybe Marlo uh, making a play for the throne so to speak last season when he was like following around the greeks but now he's like almost kind of like openly insubordinate at the meeting with some of the elders trying to put him in check and slim charles being uh suspicious of his intentions so what do you think about all that like uh new new game is is constantly crazier than the old game just the you know open rebellion in this this hotel conference room i mean i appreciate prop joe's like geo drops you know he's like oh like oh like well you know they they already got some stuff going on route 40 and down turner station yeah uh chardines from there uh but uh yeah other than that i mean you know this is why i like slim charles is pretty much you know like everyone's avatar for the streets of baltimore he knows what's up. He's always kind of like level-headed and just, yeah. you know, knows what's up. Uh, but as far as like the more nuanced uh, like happenings of what's going on in that scene, honestly, I mean, you tell me because I'm a little, well, Marlo, like, I feel like I'm missing a lot. <laughs> Marlo, Marlo is just saying like, oh, uh, like, oh, uh, that, you know, you're, you're concerned about your own territory, right? So you're just being self, (laughs) but then, uh, uh, proposition Joe mentions a few other key players that would be affected by, uh, this development whose names I can't remember. I wish I did because they're pretty memorable. Like hungry or yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh. turtle. No, that's, we, that's turtle wells. I'm getting confused. Um, that's who that she was robbing with (laughs) but uh so yeah while marlo's in the middle of that uh he sends chris off to the courthouse (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) he runs into rupert bond and (laughs) Rhonda perlman and cedric daniels and uh yeah apparently cedric daniels has never seen a photo of him like up until this point like even though bunk had brought him in at one point for the you know grand jury <laughs> like um you know uh yeah chris has like a very uh like a lot of variety when it comes to his outfits no sure <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just able to walk out of there with the photo like he's he takes the photo of sergey with the clerk not noticing yeah. and uh you like, know is off on his merry way to yeah go get uh some alliance uh you know he's uh trying to make an alliance with the greeks i guess and yeah. poss- possibly reach out to avon behind bars i mean they don't they're like i mean that's that can't be trino with no badass. Uh, um you know it's like isn't that kind of a theme like not like either if it's not the outright like kind of bribery taking place in these like you know government city offices just like outright you know like just incompetence or you know it's like everything's crumbling like look at the infrastructure of the city like no one gives a shit whatever right 
I mean, I'm sure they got copies of old Sergey just floating around. No, it's like, that's a rare find, man. It's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like some random Ukrainian dude, not Russian, yeah. uh, who, you know, it's like now in life, serving life. Right. Um, did he have a face? <laughs> that's what she said when she like, like got the file. Like, uh, <laughs> like no, it doesn't have a face. Where's the photo? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> nah. nah. Um let's see. Uh we want to get into a little bit about the only two kid characters that are really being focused on anymore with Michael and Dookie. Oh yeah. So what it, yeah yeah <laughs> so michael comes to check on uh duquan's corner and uh spider and canard are pretty much being openly insubordinate yeah. to duquan well it's, and, it's mike's corner right but, right but he's like he's delegated like yeah. duquan to why yeah um why <laughs> <laughs> right so they're both basically being insubordinate and michael's kind of like yeah i get it but at the same time canard is yeah. okay with like taking orders from michael even though he got like the yeah. shit beat out of him by him like brain hemorrhage is <laughs> over like i'm I, I surprised they didn't have like a blood one bloodshot eye still <laughs> yeah jesus um so that's pretty interesting the fractured family dynamic going on with uh michael duquan and bug is uh pretty depressing beneath the surface because you know duquan doesn't really have anything going for him he's dropped out of school uh they're at home playing connect for like trying to maintain a facade of happiness they're watching csi is that maybe like a subtle diss on the part of David Simon <laughs> and like other cop shows have quote unquote, no value, even yeah. though uh Simon alum Condi Alexander from Treme in the corner had a long-standing run on a CSI uh, spinoff. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then you were also making fun of, uh, uh, Angela Schmoke. I don't know. Kurt Schmoke's daughter. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You're like, oh, is that why, like, she's upset? Because, like, uh uh-huh, she had to work on CSI or something, like, NCIS. Yeah, something like that. They're all the same. Stray, anyone can catch the strays, man. The gods will not save you. (laughs) They Uh, won't. They won't. Um, But, yeah, pretty pretty sad uh, situation going on here. Dookie seems more uh, beaten down than ever. But, uh damn they grew up over like the course of a season it's pretty i mean i know like puberty and like you know growing out of adolescence is a thing that happens to everybody but it's pretty neat that we get to watch that uh come to fruition over like a season of television uh yeah yeah i never described that as like a neat thing to watch like kids going through puberty but uh (laughs) no i know like the you know like Mac Wilds, Jermaine Crawford, like really talented guys. Yeah, and you know, like, they're like coming into their own. They're like, it's you like know, the, doing their thing. The passage of time, it's like kind of a trip sometimes. Um, yeah, man. Like we have uh, had our own like transformation in like the almost two years <laughs> that we've been doing. 
Uh, um, we'll but be done by the new year, maybe, probably, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I think we will be. Um, anything 20, else you want to talk about between Michael and Dookie and Bug and that? Uh, you know, Dookie doesn't want to be a damn like au pair like Manny. <laughs> But, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. Like, do whatever you want. Just pick up this kid from school and, like, I'll pay you straight cash. And, yeah, yeah people make fun of you. But it's, like, just canard. Like, yeah. what is he capable of? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Jesus. But I, uh, I, I kind of, like, mentioned this when I was uh, on the Twitter space with Rewired and some of the Wire fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us more about that. But, like, we're trying to talk about, like, some of our favorite scenes and, like, one of the scenes I mentioned was one that was fresh in my memory is when, like, Marlo, Chris, and Snoop drop by Michael, Dookie, and Bugs' house to, like, you know, give him the lay of the land and say, like, you know, Bodie's Corner is now yours. Hey, where did you get that ring? Who did... Uh, who did you have us kill for you? And it's like, it's not really like on the surface, like a very dramatic scene or anything. Like, it's just, you know, some business being sorted out. But then, like, he's like openly admits that, you know, his little half brother's dad was brutally killed, <laughs> like potentially exposing him to like lifelong PTSD. And now, like, the situation with Michael, Dookie, and Bug, like, yeah, they're all, like, smiling and laughing now, but there's, like, so much under the surface of how, like, fucked up and dysfunctional this situation really is. And for some reason, like, uh, this this housing situation always, like, gives me, like, anxiety or something, or, like, I feel, like, tense watching it because, like, I'm just, like, you know... Mm imagining the worst scenario possible for them um yeah super that's sad man it is sad yeah like bug hey bro what happened to my dad dude like (laughs) jesus uh uh, just play connect four man it's gotten gotten me through some tough times and you know yeah like we play a lot of our like kind of stressful school growing up like i'll probably like with anxiety too so we can jo- joy ride around on my moped or yeah. whatever that is is that like a the... yeah like a little vespa yeah so what that's like a a big thing in baltimore culture uh mm, or not like the i mean i know the dirt bikes, i know dirt the dirt bikes are but wait were you talking about the kids that work for marlo like the messengers or are you yeah, talking... yeah that and they mike has like a motorized bike vehicle in oh. the apartment next to the TV or something. Oh, nice. I couldn't tell but what it was, but it's not like a, it's not like the 12 o'clock boys though, like dirt biking stuff. Right. Okay. It's but, not, I, I don't remember it. So I'm asking you, but I mean, that's what like Meek Mill, you know, I know you, how you love all things Philly. Sorry if I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> do you like Meek Mill? No, I mean, it's very prevalent on like a lot of East coast, like cities, like Northeast cities. Yeah. But you know like meek mill did that uh pretty like mediocre movie about the dirt bike kids charm like, city kings. yeah charm city kings and then like I haven't seen those it. are the kids that like ed norris is like i don't give a shit like they're terrorizing our streets like the inner harbor like just i don't care kill them man Jeez. but uh no but we're talking about like i think if what's in the like living room or whatever tv room 
is similar to what the kid they're following like on Fulton when it's on the east side. In air quotes. Yeah, that that's like uh, maybe a sh- throwback to the uh, like Peanut King, like uh, his whole you know organization. You know, he would like have the little kids or you know like the drug dealers rode around on those uh, type of like little Vespa, like motorbike, moped type things through all the alleys around East Baltimore and stuff as like a means of transportation. And I think I talked about that. Like he, uh, he got out of jail like a few years ago after being in there for hell long since like the eighties. And then a guy like who was older came to him. He's like, Oh, like, look, dude, like I got like this scars from a tailpipe of my little mini, like moped that I used to ride around when I worked in like your organization. Like it burned me. Look, it's my scar. And he's like, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Like flashback, flashback, flashback. <laughs> Want to play Connect Four? <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting stuff there. I like, yeah, because I, I, I like remember maybe from Truth Be Told, they talked about like how it's a big part of like the Baltimore culture. Yeah, um, man, let's go see some. No, we can't. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, one thing we didn't touch on is that Herc is working for Levy now. And he put one big mystery to rest as to why he talks the way he does. (laughs) His New York accent. He's talking about like, oh, Baltimore Orioles isn't paying their pitcher. I should have stayed in the Bronx. So it's like, ah, yeah, finally. (laughs) There you go, man. We can pin it down. Um, But yeah. Somebody at the newsroom says at one point, uh, I wonder what it's like to write for a real newspaper. McNulty says something similar. I wonder what it's like to work in a real police department. And I kind of share uh, some of the same sentiments myself. You know, I wonder what it's like to record a real podcast. All right. (laughs) Nice. All right. So, uh... Hey, hit us up on social media. Uh, Gods will not save you. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. still doing it? Oh, yes. you're a trooper. Without <laughs> Willie, we'd be nothing. I mean, like, don't put a, yourself down because you're the only one really participating in now, this. Now, you post some good stuff, too. It's great. On Twitter. Yeah. Um, also, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you have any questions, comments, and concerns, the gods will not save you at gmail.com. We'll be happy to talk with you. All uh, right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next episode.